Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Wednesday edition of the John Sanchez Show podcast. The following program is sponsored by Sanchez Wealth Management. Material on this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment tax or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Further information is available by contacting John at SanchezWealthManagement.com or by calling 800-1801. John Sanchez is a registered representative offering securities and advisory services through Independent Financial Group, LLC, a registered broker, dealer, and investment advisor. Member FINRA SIPC. Securities only offered in states John Sanchez is registered in. Now, the John Sanchez Show on News Talk 780 KOH. Good Wednesday evening to you. Welcome to the John Sanchez Show on News Talk 780 KOH. Pleasure to be with you as it is with my co-host, Mr. Jason Gaunt, a.k.a. the Professor of Sanchez Wealth Management. How you doing, Big J? Good evening. How are you today? Fantastic, fantastic, fantastic. Well. Thank you. Yeah, good. Glad to hear it. We should be. We we got everything we wanted to hear from the Fed today, Jason. From the from the the minutes, I should say. It's mm-hmm. it's old news, right? It's a couple week old uh, data, or we'll call it a couple week old minutes, right? But this mm-hmm. is the first time that we, as the public, could be that fly on the wall to find out exactly what the Fed had to say. So you know that put me in a good mood today. I mean, what more could we want other than an accommodative Fed? <laughs> Yeah, they're going to aggressively wait until they get more color as to what they're going to do next. <laughs> there you go. All right, we're done. All right, Sean, yep. you can wrap up the Thank show you. right now because that's, that's pretty much about what the Fed had to yep. say today. Yep, exactly. That's sort no, of what the a... markets did today, too. Sort yeah, of I know. Down. Probably could have just yep. canceled today. You know, Probably could have. Yep. 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 Wasn't wasn't worth everybody's time. That's for sure. No. No. Well, let me lay out uh, exactly what Jason and I are talking about. We did get the release at 11 a.m. this morning of the Federal Open Market Committee's minutes from the March 16th and 17th meeting. Um, now, again, this is the, uh, it's a very, very long report. Of course, we're, we're just going to summarize what we feel are the most important parts of it and kind of give you, a, a, as Jason used the term, a little bit of color as to what the Fed is thinking behind the scenes as far as uh, economic recovery, as far as unemployment, uh, as far as their bond buying program, uh, GDP. I mean, they, they, they cover it all when they have these uh, these reports released. And, uh, you know, it's a two-day meeting, so they do go over a lot of different data points. So we want to share those with you um, in, uh, as, we, as we go through that. But, but Jason, I want to I kind of move into today's market action because I think a good way to, to really begin the summary of today's action is the market wasn't impressed with the minutes. I mean, I couldn't find really anything negative in those minutes, but yet the market was flat today with a 16-point gain on the Dow, down 10 on the Nasdaq, up 6 on the S&P. Yeah, I mean, and I also argue that I feel like the market's somewhat skeptical on the, you know, infrastructure, America, whatever it's called, plan. Uh Um, You know, I mean, you saw materials and industrials and those types of names sort of lag throughout the day, um, even with incremental details on uh, the actual spending plans for, um, you know, Biden's new Make America Better 
Greener? I, I, I don't even remember. It's, it, we, we have so many different programs floating around right now. Yeah. I can't remember off the top of my head yeah. the, the name of it, but I'll, I'll find it. Yeah. Well, you know, what was interesting, that's a great segue. Uh, Biden today they did say that he is willing to negotiate on the corporate tax hike in this $2 trillion infrastructure plan. He said the following quote. I'm willing to listen to that, he said, when asked if he would consider a lower corporate tax rate than 28%, as this plan currently calls for. He says, we got to pay for this. Many other ways we can do it. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. But I'm willing to negotiate that. So um, maybe it's not going to be $2.3 trillion as uh, he originally laid out. Uh, I mean, I, I can't see that the price tag of it would go down, just how to pay for it. So, uh, you know, what it was interesting, Jason, when that came across the headlines today, I thought to myself, well, you know what? Maybe he is going to give in to corporate pressure because many, other than Jeff Bezos of Amazon yesterday that came out and said, hey, yeah, tax, tax the heck out of us. We're willing to pay for it. We need infrastructure. Most of corporate America wants this thing to, uh, to increase from 21 to 25% as far as the corporate tax rate, not the 28%. So maybe, yeah. maybe he's starting to listen to that a little bit. And Manchin, right, he sort of stated that too um, a day or two ago. So it, it wouldn't surprise me to at least see them uh, even more baby step than what was trying to jump somewhere in between where it was and where it went to with the Trump cuts. Um, yep. So you know, it makes more sense to, to maybe slow roll it a little bit versus really tearing the Band-Aid off. Yeah. Um, you know. and, and there were some comments out of Treasury about the fact that they noted sort of little evidence of economic growth or corporate investment in the wake of those cuts in 2017, though they said the stock market went up. <laughs> like, right. So, the, right. you know, so it's tough to say whether, you know, <laughs> I, who, who benefited, you know, I don't know. Well... I'll argue that one with. The, I mean, if Jenny Yellen was sitting right here, I'd, I'd I'd love to have that debate with her because I I don't I don't believe that data simply from the standpoint. We know what corporate America did when the tax cuts happened, right? They plowed it back into um, to stock buybacks and dividend mm-hmm. increases. Mm-hmm. They they didn't go out and build new factories per se or hire a whole bunch more new people. They they plowed it back in because yeah, it is self serving. I mean, they did benefit their shareholders benefited, but they sure benefited as there's you know when a company announces a stock buyback program, that's generally a good news from a a news headline standpoint, but also fewer shares outstanding produces a higher earnings per share when the company does report their earnings. So they benefit from that standpoint also. Um, So I can't, you know... So they did balance sheet infrastructure spending. There you go. That's a good way to put it. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Balance sheet infrastructure spending. Yep. 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 No doubt about it. But but you bring up a good point about uh, Joe Manson, uh, Manchin of uh, West Virginia. Of course, um, he's he's the Democrat there and he's already come out and said, look at, uh, I'm against this 28% corporate tax rate. And remember folks, in the Senate, which is where he is, it's split 50-50 between the two parties and his vote could make all the difference. So Maybe he's going to be the catalyst. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's not corporate America saying we want 25%. Uh, I haven't seen anything from him um, lately. I think he did make mention a few weeks ago that he'd like to see 25%. So, you know, uh, boy, I think that would be kind of a happy medium. You know, I really do. I think corporate America and the markets and so on and so forth could absorb a a, uh, a 4% increase on the corporate tax side of things, as much as I hate to say that. But uh, it just uh, you know rolls off the tongue a little bit easier than a 28%. Yeah, and, and again, it you know could be easier uh, to try to uh, re reframe it to putting more on taxing the you know above four hundred thousand earners later mm-hmm. on too, and maybe that plays uh, better uh, to the masses than you know corporate taxes et cetera yes. because those fall on sort of you know small and medium sized businesses as well. So I think uh, it's something where you know 
they've done some testing to say that ah, we'll go that route. Uh, there's probably a better uh, following there. So yeah, mm-hmm. time will tell. Well, and again, we had Mitch McConnell still adamant saying, look, at this is called a Trojan horse. He goes, you know, it's for liberal policies only. Um, he said, and, and you and I went through the numbers a couple of weeks ago. There's very little that actually goes towards, quote, real infrastructure. A lot of it is is the pork spending. And I think, uh, well, put it this way, if, if we had a split Congress, there's no way in heck this thing would pass in, under the uh, uh, the format that it is. Uh, like I said, yeah. I think this thing will pass. Um, you know, they only need uh, <laughs> they only need Mansion or somebody of uh, in the Senate to to sign off on it, and yeah, they got to go. They can they can push this thing down everybody's throat. Um, but again, it's uh, what scares me is all the pork spending that's in there. Because when Jason and I went through the, uh, the the bullet points of the plan, it's it's terrifying how much money is being wasted. Absolutely yeah. terrifying. Fine. When I mean, can you imagine if a true 2.3 trillion went to true infrastructure? I mean, my gosh. <laughs> and that's be, that's uh, been again not to choose a side clearly, but you know uh, uh, the way that they discuss uh, China's spending uh, that are very similar in fashion of mm, lots point. of debt, uh, lots of spending on infrastructure, etc. Uh, it seems that the messaging is done better, right? And again, I don't know uh, if you need quite as much pork uh, in a <laughs> authoritarian uh, uh, regime, but uh, it seems that their focus on truly rebuilding airports and roads and bridges, uh, I know there's three sides to every story, but at least seems that um, you know they've done a decent job of actually uh, spending lots of money on those things. Again, time will tell as to... Uh, uh, how that all works, but we are sorely in need of, uh, uh, you know, uh, roads, bridges, tunnels uh, being updated, no fixed, corrected, and yeah. it would get to uh, small and you know medium-sized businesses. Sure, there'll no be doubt. some big construction companies that work, but uh, you'll get lots of folks uh, working, um, doing jobs that you know mm-hmm. uh, would sort of help benefit in that. Compounding effect. Well, yeah, but, I mean, no, nobody, nobody disagrees with what you no. just said. Everybody just says, "Look at, let, let's put more towards that." Versus, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, well, I wouldn't even go through the criticisms because it's going to upset people. Yeah. But you, you can read what's in the plan. <laughs> yep. There's a lot of pork in there. That's just put yeah. it that way. We'll leave it just at that. Just completely way. unnecessary. Yeah. Yeah, there you go, definitely. All right, we'll come back and uh, start hitting the uh, the movers and shakers in today's market activity and uh, give you all the details and get ready for the, uh, the, the, the brunt of the show tonight when we go through the FOMC minutes and let you know what the market is thinking. Tonight at 6. I could go on and on, and I might if I'm in the mood. Mark Levin on News Talk 780 KOH. Welcome back to the John Sanchez Show on News Talk 780 KOH with Jason Gunn of Sanchez Wealth Management. Again, a rather lackluster trading session today. 16-point gain on the Dow to 33,446. The NASDAQ lost 10 points to close at 13,688, and the S&P 500, a record close, up 6 points to finish at 4,079. I know, so funny. Say a record close with only a 6-point gain. Oh, goodness. All right, on the commodity side, Jason, 37-point rise on oil, 59.71 a barrel, $1.40 pullback on gold to 17.4160. And boy, has this bond market been behaving itself. We actually finished with an unchanged level at 1.65%. Any comments on the bond market before we find our way back to the equity market? No, I mean, we're kind of trapped in between that, and I look at the 2s and 10 spread, and we're sort of at that 150 basis point level, keep chopping between 140, 160, 140, mm-hmm. 160. So I think uh, a, a break above 160 or a break down below 140 probably gets some follow-through in oh, terms yeah. of 
below 140 would be a flattening curve, and above 160 would be a steepening curve, which would be positive for financials, et cetera. And so a lot of these areas are a bit trapped here um, uh, in terms of you know, rate sensitivity. The bond market needs to do something to give, the I think, the equity market some sort of direction. So I think that's the reason why um, you know, we sort of pause here, uh, mm-hmm. waiting the next move from rates. Right, right, absolutely. All right, let's go to the equity market side of things and kind of share with you how our day got started today. Uh, probably the most highly respected CEO of any uh, industry, not just financials, but all of corporate America, if not the world of corporate America, Jamie Dimon, the CEO of J.P. Morgan Chase. He issued his annual shareholder letter. Um, covered a lot of different things from uh, you know, voting and, and uh, um, color of skin. I mean, he got into a lot of different things. But what got the market excited a little bit is this. And the market folks, they do listen to him. He indicated that uh, this economic boom that we find ourselves in, according to his words, could easily run into the year 2023. But he also cautioned about the, quote, not unreasonable possibility that an increase in inflation will not be just temporary. Now, what was ironic, so again, the market liked those comments from Mr. Diamond because, again, they highly respect him. Um, but uh, uh, we had a Fed member today, uh, Ms. Brainerd, indicate, of course, that uh, she's feeling, along with the rest of the Fed, that inflation is transitory. So here you here you have a guy that's in the trenches, Jason. Uh, you know, I mean, they have their hands into everything, of course, uh, saying, you know, inflation probably is not going to be transitory. But yet you have uh, uh, Brainerd come out and say that it is transitory and echoing the comments of many other Fed members. So who are you going to believe? I'll vote for Diamond. How about that one? <laughs> <laughs> I, he just cited that as, you know, uh, what would be a risk, right? Yeah. Like he thinks yeah, that exactly. that could be one that um, uh, if uh, acts uh, poorly could really sort of hurt them, mm-hmm. um, you know, which I would think, ironically, banks would be in a favorable position to rising rates, yes, uh, uh, I guess, unless the entire curve jumps. But, yeah. um, you know, we shall see. Yep, absolutely. All right, uh, let's go. Uh, we kind of skipped over this, but I'd like to get it. Let's go to your 10,000-foot perspective of today's trading activity. Yeah, no, I think, again, like I said, I keep an eye on the bond market, um, as well as, ironically, my favorite uh, indicator of Bitcoin, chopping around. It's been more red than green the last couple of days, which I feel very much is a sentiment indicator. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the fangs have continued to, to, to really be the only strength in this market. I mean, I look at... <clears throat> our portfolio as well as a host of others and it's a tough it's a tough market right now to outperform i mean the s&p stays flat yet you look across the gamut and everything's red other than a handful of names and that was the market we sort of saw you know uh, uh, september october last year mm-hmm. um you know and and it, it uh, we're really waiting for something to move and when i say something i'm talking uh, if it's digital assets, if it's rates, if it's commodities, if it's sort of incremental uh, CPI-type numbers, um, you know, the market's gotten stretched to the upside and not negatively in that it only can go down, but more so it needs something to uh, help propel it higher um, or, you know, cause a a fissure which would uh, make some sort of rotation inside of the sectors. But that's why we're seeing this ping-pong match of today it works, tomorrow it doesn't, today it works, tomorrow it doesn't, and that's because no one can really get a sense of, okay, uh, I I played the reflation trade, it worked well, I played tech back in the fall and it worked well, and sort of what next is it green well green was up a ton and really has come off a lot right the names that have been the darlings in that space have 
retraced quite a bit the end phases and the solar you know this mm-hmm. and the you know and so i think uh, uh it are you going to assume that the Biden plan is going to move forward as written uh, and chase that? Well, look at how much GM's gone up. Look how much Ford's gone up. Tesla's been weak recently, so there's a bit of a change in the guard there. But, I mean, are GM and Ford now positioned where they're going to dominate the world? Last I checked, they you know couldn't build a car to save themselves other than a truck. Um, and now they've got the next second coming with whatever they plan to potentially do, which we haven't seen any of. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, there's just a lot of cross-currents, I think, from you know the market right now. And again, it doesn't have to resolve itself negatively, but we need to see some sort of catalyst, um, either for rate-sensitive names or technology-sensitive names to sort of spur the next leg. Well, let's bring it down to, to even uh, a little bit more of a human level, uh, which is a human emotion of investing, which is Wall Street is a bunch of spoiled babies, right? We've all said that. We all agree to that. They will, will stomp their feet if there's nothing for them to get excited about. And, and to your point, I just had this discussion with one of our clients this morning. I said exactly the same thing. It doesn't have anything to be real excited about, right? We have some potential things in the future, like the infrastructure bill, and uh, but then that's counteracted with the increase in taxes and so on and so forth. So really right now, the only thing that's got to sink its teeth into is is um, you know earnings season kicking off. It, it should be, what, next week? And and, um, but right now, it's just, it's, I love your analogy, it's kind of a ping pong. I, I was mentioning this with Corey and Dwight on the show last night. This is going to be interesting to see. This is another kind of phase of the market, right? When I say phases, last year was the growth phase. Beginning of this year, it was the value phase. That's now kind of faded. So it's going to be interesting to see, and, and, and this is kind of how Jason and I have you know our portfolios position, put a little bit of uh, a value, a little bit of growth into, into, the, into the mix because no one knows at this point which one is going to be a victor or is it going to be a combination. So if we look back on December 31st at 1 p.m. when the stock market closes, can we look back on 2021 and say it was purely a growth year or purely a value year or was it a combination? And the way it's kind of looking right now, it may be a combination. I don't think everyone's ready to, to throw a tech out with about out of the you know out of the bathtub with the uh, with the baby as the bathwater saying goes. Um, yeah. I don't think everybody's really willing to you know get, dial everything into the the, the reflation uh, and reopen trade, dump everything into casinos and cruise lines and airlines. So I think it's just everyone's kind of dipping their toes into the water and just having a little bit of both at this point. Yeah, and I mean, you know, uh, here we are on April 7th, uh, 2021. The S&P 500's up 8.6% this year. Right. So uh, <laughs> uh, there's excitement has been had, right? So yeah, 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 uh, yeah, exactly. if we trade sideways <laughs> into the end of the year, it's a good year. So yeah, I think right. that's, that's a bit right. of it, too, is, is people sort of look at that and are worried about thin air, but... Uh, there's a lot to sort of get excited about with reopening, et cetera. So. Yeah, there is. Uh, CDC uh, issuing some new guidelines today for, for cruise lines. that They're getting excited. We had a pretty good move in Carnival up a, about 1.96% today. Norwegian up a, about 1.03. And then, you know, we're, we're kind of narrowing also uh, our year-to-date. You mentioned the S&P up 8.6. You know, Russell's up 12.6. Dow's up 9.3. Nasdaq's up 6.2. Um, this could be a year where all four major averages just kind of battle it out, not one way out in front of the other. Like last year where the Nasdaq was, you know, uh, three-quarters of a lap ahead of everybody 
everybody else and everybody else is just playing catch up and never did it. So yeah, that just kind of shows, uh, again, it's a good year, but, uh, kind of broad based and, you know, have a good, good, good assortment, as we like to say in the portfolio. All right. What did the Fed have to say today about the economy? We'll share the minutes with you when we come back tonight at six. I could go on and on and I might if I'm in the mood. Mark Levin on News Talk 780 KOH. Welcome back to the John Sanchez show on News Talk 780 KOH with Jason Gonna Sanchez Wealth Management. 16 point gain on the Dow, down 10 on the NASDAQ, up six to a record close on the S&P 500 of 4,079. All right, folks, before we get to our uh, main topic of this evening, which, again, we're going to uh, analyze what the Fed had to say. This was the minutes, as they call it, the FOMC minutes from their March 16th and 17th meeting, uh, chock full of all kinds of good tidbits about what the Fed is thinking about the economic recovery. But speaking of economic recovery, Jason, and you didn't even know I was going to bring this up, so I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to surprise you, but knowing you, you already know this. I want to talk about debt for a second. Very in, 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 uh, very interesting data from one of our regulators, FINRA, uh, the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority. They said, as of late February, investors had borrowed a record $814 billion against their portfolios, a.k.a. margin loans. Now, this does include retail investors and institutional and so on and so forth, but that number is up 49% from a year earlier. This was the fastest annual increase since 2007 uh, during the frothy period before the 08 financial crisis, of course. But before that, the last time investor borrowings had grown so rapidly was during the dot-com bubble in the good old year of 1999. But have we updated had updated that, that since Archegos got closed out? Uh, no, they have not. As of late <laughs> February, all flat. the data says. And now it's <laughs> flat. Exactly. But what's interesting, speaking of debt, we received today also from the Feds, consumer credit increased by $27.6 billion in February after increasing by an upwardly revised one-tenth of a billion dollars in January. And this was the largest monthly increase in consumer credit dating back also to a time period not too long ago since... November of 2017. So uh key takeaway from the report is that the revolving credit, so that's credit cards, uh, expanded for only the second time in the last 12 months and was the largest increase in revolving credit since July of 2019. So even though you know the data shows that the consumer is flush with cash because of all the various stimulus programs that they may be receiving money on, they're still going out and taking on a whole bunch of debt, which, again, makes everybody a bit nervous for when things do get rough. Um, you know, that debt's going to be there. I wonder if that was a pre Stimulus check spend, you know, knowing that could be. money's coming yeah, in, right? Point. Let's, yep, let's that's a good buy point. that TV or whatever now and then pay yeah, it off once yeah. the money hits. Absolutely. You know? yeah, yeah. yeah, we'll see. We'll see in next month's or two months' data. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, let's go to uh, the big story of the day today. Uh, the Federal Open Market Committee, they released the minutes from their March 16th and 17th meeting, as I indicated. And, of course, we all parse through these reports. It's a very long report. We parse through the pages looking for little nuggets, as we like to call it, to kind of give an indication of what the Fed is thinking about. Remember, the Fed, of course, is under a tremendous amount of scrutiny. Many say that they have their backs up against the wall uh, because, again, you have an economy that's uh, – doing better. That's reopening, as the saying goes. Why do they need to be spending $120 billion a month in bond purchases? And, you know, they're under a lot of criticism. There's a camp out there that says, stop spending so much money, uh, let the economy heal and, and begin to grow on its own. Others say, nope, it's too soon to do that. So let's kind of get an idea as to what the Fed was uh, was thinking with some uh, some quotes from there. Um, first thing I want to mention is uh, in regards to the $120 billion a month in bond purchases, the Fed said, quote, we're providing substantial support to the economy. Kind of a bold statement, Jason. <laughs> so true. in other words, you take that away and there goes the substantial support for the economy. So yeah. I, like I said, that was, that was kind of a bold statement on that one, that first one there. 
Yeah. Let's hope that they are able to, you know, slowly uh, wean off with the positive data coming as things reopen. So I'm sure that's their plan. Uh, the fear well, is if you don't get that positive data, uh, they're still going to taper. <laughs> so. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, again, we touched on this last night as, as it related to the mortgage world for Dwight. But, you know, I'll go back, and, and if you were on the show, I'm sure you would agree with me, Jason. We've all gone through these periods in our careers where, we, you know, we've had a very accommodative and a very restrictive Fed. And I can tell you one thing with 100% certainty, uh, which is when you have an accommodative Fed, which is one, of course, that keeps interest rates down artificially, uh, in, in this example, through the 100 20 billion dollars a month in bond purchases that they do to keep rates down i don't care if they decide to make an announcement and say hey we're reducing this to 115 billion a month the market is not going to like it right no. we are we are patients that are addicted to the low interest rate iv you turn it down a little bit and we're going to start going through withdrawals i've seen it a million times i don't think this time will be anything different no and i mean i think iv is a nice way to say it uh uh, I think it's more like heroin. Um, yeah, it just yeah, well, gets worse and worse, and worse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. It does. And it's it's tough. the best analogy. Yep, no doubt. It's tough to get off of it. All right, let's go to, uh, to the next comment by the Fed. Quote, participants, meaning the Fed members, noted that it would likely be some time until substantial further progress toward the, the committee's maximum employment price or maximum employment and price stability goals would be realized, and that, consistent with the committee's outcome-based guidance, asset purchases would continue at least at the current pace until then. Now, I want to outline, or I should say underline, not outline, but underline three words in, 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 in what the Fed is saying here. Outcome-based guidance, okay? Those are the three key words out of this paragraph. So what this is telling us now, Jason, of course, is very simple. Back to what the Fed has emphasized over and over again. Let's go back to what they changed towards the end of last year. They're going to let inflation run a little bit hot. Remember when it used to get to about 2%, you could bet your bottom dollar the Fed was going to start slowing things down, raising rates, job owning, whatever they do to slow things down. But now they want to wait until they have outcome-based guidance. So in other words, they want to see this number surpass, I'm going to pick on inflation, above the 2%. Get to the 2.2, two, 2.3, two, two, somewhere around there. So what they're saying also is, look, we're not going to start raising rates or cutting bond buying programs. Really, we're not going to do much of anything on the assumption that the economy is improving. We want to get the data. We want this to be, once again, a situation where it's an outcome-based guidance. So Give us the data. Let's not predict it, but give us the data. Then we will decide what we need to do as far as monetary policy. That, I think, was probably one of the most critical things I took away from the minutes today. Yeah, I mean, it just shows that you know, people are going to have a tougher time trying to front-run the Fed. Um, That's right. You know, Good point. And, you know, even though they're being uh, uh, excessively verbose in sort of what their thought process is, which is a, a stark difference than what we used to deal with back in the uh, Greenspan days, you know? <laughs> Boy, that's for sure. That's for sure. Yeah, we were we were so high tech at that point. We'd watch and see what his briefcase, uh, how how he held his briefcase, and whether it was thick or fat, and then we'd make our interest rate decisions based upon that as he was walking into the meeting. Yeah, how things yeah. have changed. Yeah. All right, on to the next paragraph. A number of participants highlighted the importance of the committee's clearly communicating its assessment of progress 
towards its longer-run goals well in advance of the time when it could be judged substantial enough to warrant a change in the pace of asset purchases. The timing of such communication would depend upon the evolution of the economy and the pace of progress towards the committee's growth. So in other words, let's not spook the market when this time comes that we need to adjust to slow things down. Let's not spook the market and, and have one of these you know, Sunday night meetings and you wake up Monday morning and the whole monetary policy has changed. But instead, let's slowly telegraph this to the markets. To our analogy, let the let the IV get turned down a little bit, see how things react, turn it down a little bit more a few weeks later, so on and so forth, um, but really not shock the market, which this is in, in, in contrast, Jason. There's many well-respected on Wall Street right now saying, yeah, we're going to wake up one day and the Fed's going to go, all right, you know, pick on the bond buying program. We're going to reduce it or eliminate it or do something. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. I'm, I, I, I tend to agree with what the Fed is at least telling us in the minutes. They don't want to disrupt this economic recovery. And let me tell you, you give this market a shock and uh, it would disrupt it very quickly. I couldn't agree more. Yep, I completely yeah. agree. How they do it, uh, that will be interesting. <laughs> How they yes. slowly taper without people front running them. But, you know, even if it's... I'll, 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 I'll answer that with my, my best guesstimate at this point. And, and we got a little bit of it today back to, again, Federal Reserve Governor uh, Lael Brainerd. I think when the Fed is ready to do something, um, like what she said today, she goes, look, at the forecast is considerably better outcomes both on growth as well as on employment and inflation. But again, that's an outlook. We're going to have to actually see that in the data. When you look at the data, we are still far from our maximum employment growth. But she, she goes on in the article to talk about Look, it's really important to recognize that these are transitory and following those transitory pressures associated with the reopening, it's more likely that the entrenched dynamics that we've uh, seen for well over a decade will take over. So, so you take someone like her or, you know, pick your favorite Fed member and you prime them. You, you, you have them go out and do some interviews, some breakfast and lunch and dinner speeches, and they start throwing, as you, to use your term, these little softballs at the market, mm-hmm. right? Let's throw a little softball. Well, yeah, we're seeing inflation doing well. Or, boy, employment growth is growing faster than our expectation. That's all they have to do. Right. So they'll do the as I like to refer to it, they'll do the jawboning through the Fed governors. Then the market starts talking about it and the market starts basically preparing itself to start removing the IV needle a little bit. And then lo and behold, maybe at the next meeting or two meetings from that, that's when they decide to make some type of an announcement. Uh, Again, slow down the bond buying program or or something that's going to be viewed by the market as Hey, the economy is improving. The Fed's going to back out of the picture. But I, I again, my my yeah. <laughs> my my hunch is going to be let the soldiers, meaning the Fed governors, go out and 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 do the dirty work and drop some subtle hints and prepare the market for it. And we don't have that yet, but I think yeah. that's how they're going to how they're going to drop the uh, 800 pound sledge on us. I'm just conf- I'm concerned that the market's going to react like my dog does when I you know tell it for an hour. Oh, we're going to be leaving <laughs> soon. We'll be we're gonna, we'll we'll be back, buddy. You know, guess yeah, right, what? Right, I come right, back. The yard's still dug up, and you know exactly, he's doing his best to exactly. show me his middle finger. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah that's uh, right. That's right. <laughs> uh, that's I, 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 hope things, uh, I hope things will be okay. 
but yeah. Yeah, no doubt <laughs> about it. That's why we got to stay on top of things. <laughs> All right, we've got some comments from the Fed also in regards to uh, the revision they made today or at their meeting uh, in regards to GDP outlook for this year. We'll share that with you in a few more nuggets when we come back. Later tonight at 9. The media are just the apparatus of the Democratic Party. Ben Shapiro on News Talk 780 KOH. Welcome back to the John Sanchez Show on News Talk 780 KOH with Jason Gahn of Sanchez Wealth Management. 16-point gain on the Dow, negative 10 on the NASDAQ, a record close of six points on the S&P 500 to finish at 4,079. Well, we had no other major economic reports today other than the Fed minutes, and that's what we're trying to uh, digest for you a little bit. So, so far, again, the takeaway is, look, we're not going to raise rates until we have the data that shows us. We're not going to be front-running. We're not going to try to predict where inflation and employment, et cetera, are going to go, then uh, raise based upon our prediction. Nope. We want to see the data, then we'll talk about what we're going to do. So those are, so far, the, the key takeaways. Anything you want to add to that, Jason, before I get to GDP and uh, unemployment numbers? Uh, no, I, uh, a bit of a segue. Uh, during the break, I was uh, online searching through uh, NFTs and non-fungible, non-fungible tokens, tokens. And, and all yeah. this stuff about it. And I just want to put it out there. If this uh, actually works in the long term, I'm I'm done. <laughs> like, <laughs> you get your notice? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I mean, this stuff is just bananas. It, it I mean, is. This, I know. Yeah, like you can go in and bid on, like, just the dumbest things of all For those that don't know, take, take a minute and explain what NFTs are, because they're, they're everywhere now, so I'm glad you brought yeah, it up. I'm sorry, but yeah, just these non-fungible tokens, they essentially give you the ability to own uh, uh, like a, a blockchain registered ownership of something. If it's an image, a song, a painting, a, a you name it. A tweet from Jack Dorsey. A tweet, you name it. Yeah, <laughs> you can basically own it, whatever that means. You have no picture to put on your but it's 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 ways that uh the way the way that was best described to me is people who made a lot of money trading bitcoin that yet don't want to be viewed as bitcoin or ethereum like uh levers or deserters it's another place to park your money uh in some of these things you're not technically coming off chain you're just moving to some other holding venue i just that's crazy. I know. Well, you're seeing for for those of you not familiar with it, again, look it up. Non fungible tokens, NFTs. Um, you're getting a lot of sports uh, celebrities that are yep. getting into there. Baseball Tom Brady, now, right? Yeah. Tom Brady yeah. just made an announcement today on. I didn't even see what he's going to do, but um, yeah. Jack Dorsey again. As I was joking, he got what two point three million dollars mm-hmm. uh, for someone that paid an NFT to buy one of his tweets. Yeah, I, his I, first I, tweet. Yep. His first tweet. Okay, that's what it was. Yep. Yeah, it's nuts. I, I mean, the whole digital thing is just nuts. Sorry so. to hijack the. Uh, oh no no no, show, no that's fine. <laughs> I just had to get that off my chest. Uh, just you know, for the world, if this does work, uh, I'm gonna let it pass me by, regardless Got of it. how successful okay. it is. I'm, I'm with you. That'll make two of us. I'm, I'm too old. Yeah, but yeah, yep. you know. Best of luck, me. everybody. Yeah, yeah, good luck on that one. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we we got to do a show on it one of these days. Mm-hmm. But anyways. All right. So let's go back to uh, what the Fed had to say. More more realistic things here. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So the Fed did make some comments about GDP. This was very interesting. Uh, the Fed increased their GDP target for the year of 2021 from 4.2% all the way up to 6.5%. Now, that is a huge increase in predictions. Still quite a bit less than most of the major Wall Street banks, which are, you know, somewhere between uh, 10 to 11%. So again, uh, nowhere near where the banks are coming in. But 
geez, Jason, I can't remember, you know, because we've never gone through a COVID. I've never uh, could ever recall a Fed increasing a, a prediction by such a significant amount. So, yeah. market again didn't get too excited about that one. And then finally, they did talk about the unemployment rate. They said the unemployment rate could fall to 4.5% by the end of this year, um, which again, we're what, six twos, I believe, was the number mm-hmm. as of Friday. Yep. And uh, inflation could run to 2.2%, slightly above the Fed's target of 2%. Again, by the end of the year. So overall, optimistic expectations by the Fed, increase in GDP, lower unemployment, little bump up in inflation, but not too hot. And the market just kind of snoozed on the news today. One of those days, Jason, just one yeah. of those days. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Again, I think rates, rate moves or you know, some sort of exogenous information is really what's going to give us direction, either up or down. Absolutely. And next, it's earnings. That's yep, sort of you got it. For. You got it. Market needs some activity, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Great job, my friend. We'll do it again tomorrow night on the John Sanchez Show. God bless. Have a great evening. On air, online, on demand. News Talk 780-KOH. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.